Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Dungeon Deep Dive. I'm here as usual with my ho- my trusty hosts. I am Lachlan. I'm not here, but I'm Grace. Yeah, Grace is, Grace is not... Well, Grace is here in like a spiritual sense, just right. not in a physical sense. Mm. Right, mm. yes. And then I am almost here. Uh, um, my name's Tully. Hi. This is oh. Tully. Hi. Hi. I cannot stress enough, I don't mean that Grace is recording remotely. She's recording in, in the, the studio. studio. Well, her she, mic is. She's just here in spirit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Grace is astral projecting into the studio with <laughs> us today. And Tully was half eaten by a wolf. So mm-hmm. that's I'm why. actually, I'm here from the lungs up. Yeah. Well, that's really all the, that's all the, the half you need for podcasting anyway. So we were like, yeah, it's probably fine. Yeah, it's probably, I'll, I'll, I'll see, I'll, I'll go to the... I'll, I'll call an ambulance once we've finished recording. Priorities. I don't think that's necessary. Uh, I think yeah. you'll be fine. I think you just need to sleep it off. I mean, like, if you're still sick in the morning, maybe. But, like... Yeah, that's fair. Doctors are expensive. Yeah, like, what happens if you just feel better tomorrow? That's then you'll feel like I've an idiot. Really will. Really oh, will. God. Every time I've ever gone to the hospital, I just, like, feel better the next day. And I'm like, fuck, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mum's a nurse, so I text her and I say, I think I'm dying. And she says, go to bed and have a Panadol. Um, oh, see, well, she gets it. Yeah, so like, see, that's I, medical that's advice. My mm. suggestion, honestly, go to bed and have a Panadol. My suggestions usually just go to bed. Oh God, yeah. Uh, so we're recording as usual uh, in Brisbane, uh, in the the lands of the Turrbal and Yagara people. Um, now these lands have always been places of teaching and learning and storytelling, and we'd like to continue on in that tradition uh, and. In that vein, we'd like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Uh, these lands have always been in their care and will always be. And um, Sovereignty was never ceded. Sovereignty was never ceded. Uh, if you're part of those communities, we would love to hear you uh, on the show if you're getting, getting in touch. Um, that being said, if you're not part of those communities, we'd also like to hear from you. So uh, give us a call on uh, 0418 I did not say real numbers there. That was that first little bit. It took me like a couple of the numbers were mixed around, but it took me a moment to realize that. And I thought you were just reading out my, reading out my number. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing, Tully? Because my number starts with 0481. So I was like, wait, what? That's mine. <laughs> and uh, if you like- want to guess Lachlan's phone number, now all you have to do is try 1 million other combinations. Yeah, only six, only six digits. It's fine. You can guess it. I also really appreciate that you thought that Tully had your number memorized to read out for this occasion. I, I mean, barely even have my own num- my number. Of, uh, I can't speak. I barely even have my own number memorized. Well, I mean, he very well could have 
just to prank me. I wouldn't <laughs> put it past him. That's fair. No, neither I way. really considered for a while getting to know everybody's horoscopes just to like pull out in the middle of conversation like, oh, that's such an Aries thing to do. <laughs> that's so powerful. That's really powerful. Can you act? Whoops. Can we do I that? mean, most of my friends don't listen to this. So, yeah, I could. <laughs> I don't know that anyone we know listens to this. I that's think fine. I know Brooke does. Hi, Brooke. Uh, and Ben might. Ben said he did at one point, but then Ben told me I was boring, like in the same breath. So clearly hasn't listened. That was also like six months ago. That's true. Maybe he got so bored of me, he stopped listening since then. Mm. Or maybe I'm more interesting now. That's not likely. Uh, So as a little bit of an an announcement, uh, four minutes in, uh, is... (laughs) um, See, we like to keep things succinct, quite obviously. Um, We're Mm. really good at making sure the pacing's good and that we don't go over time. And okay, look, man, this is just an announcement. We had to give them some juice, you know. Yeah, we had to give them fair. something to keep them going. Um, so essentially we're just letting you, know, letting you guys know that um, just due to the workload that's been going on and so that we can ensure that we actually bring some really top quality research, uh, that we're going to go to a fortnightly release schedule uh, just because doing that amount of research was either killing us or making us feel like we were doing a slapdash job and we don't want to do that. Yeah. It's like, if it was, to be fair, it was manageable for a little while because we, st- I mean, we started this, this show kind of towards the end of us. Uh, we, we started this show in kind of like a quieter period in our lives and it mm. seemed like things were going to be stressful just kind of due to uh, ex- the exam period that shortly followed. Yeah. But then it kind of didn't get any, any less Busy. Yeah. In fact, it got more busy. Yeah. So we were just we would we were talking behind the scenes. We were like, it's probably just it's for the it's better for the quality of the show. It's better for the audience, and it's better for us if we just kind of take a step back and focus on better episodes instead of more episodes going forward. Exactly. So um, we're going to take a take that back to a fortnightly release, and hopefully uh, get some really good quality content for you guys in the coming uh, months. That is the dream. Yeah. But um, in the meantime. What we might do uh, is I just have a few little tidbits, things I like that never really made it into an episode uh, and never really had a category that I just I thought were fun. Sure. Little, little fun things to talk about. Um, so the first one, and this is, I'm not going to lie, I very nearly gave this to you guys in our campaign um, as an item. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to weave a bit of a story about this first. Um Keep, um, yeah, succinct. Yeah, as we said, we like to keep it... Yeah, we like to keep things tight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so imagine you're a noble. You're very proud of the wealth that you've amassed and you, you really like novelties. You like entertaining people at parties and you're not a particularly good entertainer, but you, you can weave a story and you can sort of show off the things that you've got. I mean, you're really taking me out of my comfort zone. I'm poor as hell and really funny. So this is going to be difficult for me, but I'm going to try and visualize it for you. That's fair. See, this Just is for fair. you, Tully. This is actually perfectly in my wheelhouse. I'm rich as hell and I'm not funny. Well, there we go. There we go. We've got a diverse cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so imagine that you have your guests over for dinner. And uh, you- uh, Tully, Tully was pretty rich and pretty funny, but obviously after the wolf thing, that's kind of like, he's just half of each now. So yeah, it's just- exactly. I'm I'm half pretty funny and and, uh, and half, half rich. rich. Yeah, yeah. The wolf ate most of your humor and some of your wealth. Well, I mean, they got half of my wallet. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the big problem. I mean, you should have kept most of you should have kept the whole thing in your lungs, like I told you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Representation, am I right, boys? 
Wait, why? Oh, because of the... Because of, we, we have all the social classes I and all of the comedy in here. And in, all of the in arts. wallets in lungs. And I, all of yeah, the wallets. I really thought you meant that we were representing people that kept their wallets in their lungs. And I was <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. To the community of people that keep wallets in their lungs, we see you. We, we recognize you. you and we support you. You're yeah. valid. I was going to say. <laughs> anyway, Tolly had some things. So you've got. So we're noblemen. Yeah. So you're no, you're noblemen, and you've got uh, your guests over, and they're having dinner, and it's been a lovely dinner. You've sort of splashed out, and it was very messy. Uh, everyone's got their tablecloths real dirty, and it's just, you know, it's it was a fine affair. It was great fun, and um, you're going to show off the latest trinket that you've uh, got. You're going to show off in a in a sort of show of extravagance. Um, I don't think I'd show that off in public, Tolly. Um, so you gather up the the tablecloths or you get your servants to to do that and you get them to hand it over to you and you stand by the fire and you're just like oh yeah see these tablecloths I I can do without them and you throw them in the fire I know this I know this one and um, much to the surprise of your guests nothing happens to the cloths all the grime all the dirt all the grease it all burns up but these tablecloths remain intact. And you get the uh, the tongs from the fire and you pull out the tablecloths and they are bright white, clean and fresh and ready to use again. Thou art a witch. You've got salamander fur. Oh, that's fun. Um, but that's not the end of this because salamander fur was, it was a fireproof textile and it was actually used a little bit. Um, it was really impressive, seen as a bit of a novelty. Um, that, was, that was one of the historical accounts that we've got is of somebody using tab- a tablecloth, I think, and throwing it in the fire and burning off all the, um, all the mess. Wait, how much fur do salamanders even have? I thought they were lizards. Hey, can I? Well, are they like... Here's what so salamander fur named oh after my the mythical god. creature the salamander. Oh my god! I just realised what it was. This is so fucking stupid. Yes. Did, hey, how long did it take you to figure out to remember that salamanders are, are lizards? lizards and don't have fur? Well, I've never seen a salamander, but, um, so I was just like, maybe they just had fur in a spot that I've never seen a photo of. But this fair? is running off the mythical salamander, which is the the creature that breathes fire and is like burning hot all the time. Um, but yes, you've just realised what this is. Yeah. Um, so for the listeners at home who haven't quite picked up where I'm going with this, um, salamander fur is actually um, it's, it's incombustible linen. Uh, it is actually made out of uh, minerals. Um, it's mm-hmm. little, kind of like little shreds of glass almost, like shreds of rock. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's actually a construction material that we use... Uh, up, up until about 30 years or 20, 10 years ago, 20 well, years ago. I mean, it depends on where you go. There are yeah. stuff like, like America, for instance, still uses it extensively. Yeah. Uh, the material uh, in question is asbestos. <laughs> yeah. I really think it's powerful to be eating my meals off asbestos sheets. Yeah. And then like wiping your face mm. with an asbestos mm. tablecloth. And people had like coats and stuff made out of this stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I might have a headscarf made of this stuff, honestly. They, are, no joke, I'm almost 100% sure that I heard that they also made asbestos baby clothes for a yeah. period. Wow. Because, I mean, you don't want your baby to catch on fire, do you? That's true. That is absolutely true. Asbestos is weird because it's like, I guess in a time before you can do oncology, asbestos just, I mean, you die from... 
the asbestos baby clothes you wore. It just kind of looks like you got like the consumption and died when you're 35. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, I just it's kind of impressive we ever did work that one out. Actually, I've actually just stumbled across an article uh, from Wired on this the origin of the salamander, and it opens up with this, and I love this opening paragraph here. Concise. We keep things really, really tight. Of course. Mm. Uh, in the first century AD, Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder threw a salamander into a fire. He wanted to see if it could indeed not only survive the flames, but extinguish them as Aristotle had claimed such creatures could. God, it but the salamander didn't uh, make it. Yeah. Yeah, the second you said Pliny the Elder, I was like, ah, yeah. I know of that guy. Pliny's, I don't know how much you know about about Chiboy Plenty the Elder. Bits and pieces from when we did libraries. Well, Plenty the Elder's uh, fun thing is to basically, like that was kind of his whole career. He just heard that someone had said something once and he was like, and he yeah. either wrote it down as fact or he was like, well, better go throw the salamander in the fire and see if it works, huh? Yeah. yeah. And like, I- that was his whole career. He, he's like one of the most, uh, one of the most prolific, uh, especially like, uh, early natural scientific writers in the uh, in the Western world, and his whole thing was just yeah, just like writing down books of things of random, but random, just like random shit people had said. Just to double down on what you've said there, um, despite having proven that salamanders do not have fire powers. Oh my god, he still put it in the book, didn't he? he? Also put it in the book. Oh as my fact. god. Yeah, um my favorite thing about Pliny the Elder is uh exactly what he t- what he d- decided to test and what he just accepted. He was like, yeah, it really makes sense that having honey every morning will get you pregnant. So I'm just going to write that one down. But I don't know, maybe I should test whether or not putting your hand in a fire hurt. Yeah, he yeah. had some. He had some. He had some weird ideas. Mm. Yeah, plenty. It's honestly, historical scientists are pretty funny. Oh and yeah. Oh it, yeah. And I mean, plenty's great because he is prolific. Mm. Like, plenty wrote some um, of the best records we have of that era. Mm. I mean, because what 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 is that book called? It's like the natural natural yeah, it's history like the or natural something. History, I think. Yeah, that book covers. It has sections on pretty much any noun they knew. If they had a noun, he had a section in his book on what it could, what you could use that noun to cure things. Oh, with. Uh, I just what you could use that noun to cure, rather. I just remembered um, the description of the um, chimera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's described as having a, a snake-like neck and goat's legs and uh, like a cow's a cow's rear and a I can't remember and the head of a I can't remember what the head was supposed to be. Um, it's actually suspected it's the head of a goat. Yeah, it might be. It's actually suspected that um, it's the last one I saw at least. That was the <laughs> description, a poorly translated description of a giraffe. Ha! <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're Long neck, like stumped horns, like cloven hooves. That's the description there. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if you have no way of describing an animal to someone, so you describe it, like when people were describing platypuses and they were like, oh, mm. it has the bill of a duck and it has the body of this and it has the beaver's tail. Everyone was like, that's bullshit. Yeah, and like it only kind of has any of those things. Yeah, and then you see pictures that people drew of it and you're like, what the fuck is that? But you look at a platypus and you go, oh, okay. Okay, so that makes sense. It's not that weird. But yeah, like that's... It's one of the one of the theories out there on the origin of the chimera myth is just a poorly translated um, rec- uh, yeah recount of seeing a giraffe. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to... Ugh, I wonder how you would do that in a game, though. I guess you would be able, just be able to use those, like, weird... Use those kinds of descriptions. Yeah, like, hobbled together descriptions of something where it's, like, from someone who has never seen that creature before and is just like, uh, I don't know, I mean, part of it looked like a dog and then part of it didn't look like a dog, which was pretty fucked up, am I right? Mm. Usually dogs look like just dogs, so this was weird as hell. Well, there's um a lot of modern um, cryptid myths mm. turn out to be... like So th- th- there's a common thread in the US. Uh, there's uh, the hog, hog men, pig men, um, bears with mange. Quite oh, often, bears yeah. with mange. Um, Bigfoot sightings, often bears. Everything's uh, bears. Everything's bears. Oh, except for that one fucking photo of Bigfoot, Bigfoot sighting I saw once that was like not even... Anything weird? It was just like some people, some scouts. I think took a photo of a ridge, and there was just a dude walking on there. And he was like, he had like a weird posture where it looked like he had like a big bat, one of those like big uh, hiking yeah. bags on his back, and he was maybe hunched a little bit because he was using like one of those um, what are they called? The sticks. Yeah, the like the like hiking cane. Yeah, or- hiking pole. Hiking pole. There we go. Um, and it was just like it was so clearly just a dude. Like it was just a su- silhouette of a dude wearing like maybe a big bag or something. And they're like. Fucking Bigfoot's gonna eat us, guys! And they took a photo and they made like a whole big thing of it. But it's mm. you look at it; it's, it's just a dude. It is. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, there's a similar thing with like when you look at descriptions of Mothman, um, where like <laughs> the reason why pictures of drawings of Mothman vary so much is because the actual like original description that was given was just, yeah, it's taller than me and it had wings and big eyes, and everyone was like. Were they moth wings? Because that could be fun. Yeah, they just kind of landed into it. Honestly, that description could describe um, a mothman, chupacabra. Um, Anything. A big bird. Yeah, a, a pterodactyl probably. Um, it would... D- fuck, that would describe a cassowary. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the working theories for mothman, Grace and I were talking about this at one point, I is like, it's I just like, like a, lot. a weird tall crane. I disagree. Oh, yeah, because oh. yeah, they were talking. They were talking about how Mothman specifically had red eyes. That was one of the things that's always been like noted throughout all of the different sightings mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and there's a crane that isn't native to the area, but has been known to be found there. Yeah. That has like bright red feathers around its eyes. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. I, I think it also has red eyes. To be fair, I. I mean, probably. Has, like, I haven't looked at the picture in a while. It has like orangey eyes. I'm, I believe. But I, it, I, I now yeah, really I want that, to create. Uh, another cryptid out of like native Australian wildlife because there are so many like oh, strange oh, yeah. birds that oh, we've got. Fucked. We got some great oh, ones. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's, I think one of the theories is just like, yeah, it's just like this crane and it has, because I think it migrates, it migrates past West Virginia. Uh, so they were yeah. like, I don't know, maybe it's this bird. You look at the photos though, it's definitely not that bird. It's got like such chunky fucking thighs. Oh. No crane has legs like that. Yeah. I mean, no crane I've ever met. If you're a crane with thighs like that, fucking <laughs> hit me up. At dun- dungeon Deep Dive on Twitter and deepdivetnc at gmail.com. I want to fuck crane. Anyway, have you seen that uh, that statue of Mothman in West Virginia and it's just got like a popping booty? <laughs> okay, uh, you get to show me that after. I will. In fact, you have to show me that. I will. I'll it's really it. I'm dumb. doing it now. It looks bad. Um, it's not a good Mothman, but it's it's butt. It's got a weird, like almost Mothra vibe going on. They've like Mothra's so leaned into the moth part. But Mothra's like, hot. Look, Mothra's hot. Tully looks uncomfortable. We so can move on now. I'm there's, sorry. There's another fun thing that, again, just didn't fit into anything, but I, I absolutely adore. It's an old piece of technology um, that 
predates the alarm clock, uh, which is the... The regular clock. <laughs> well, it's the candle clock. <laughs> okay. Um, and so... I'm glad you like that, babe. <laughs> so, essentially, this is uh, an old alarm system. And the idea is they would get these candles, a long, thin candle, and they'd have regular notches and they'd time how long it took to burn down each notch. Mm-hmm. And then when they wanted to be awoken, they would stick a nail, a metal nail, into the slot where they expected it would burn down to at that point. And so when it burned down to that point, the nail would fall out, clank off the the candlestick or the, the holder, and wake you up. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of how... Um um, it's it's completely uh, unrelated in the in its outcome, but that's also kind of how uh, Salvador Dali did his paintings. Um, he would sit there, I think, with uh, he. I can't remember if he like tied. I think he tied his hand to like his ear or something. So whenever, so and he would sit in his chair and wait till he, and so he would start to doze off, oh, and I've then heard he would, this. yeah, his hand would like go slack and it would pull on the string that he had tied to it, and it would like jolt him awake. So then that like. The whatever image was going through his head in mm. the like final moment, just as he fell asleep, yeah, uh, he would then like snap awake and start painting it. It was sort of like a lucid dreaming moment, mm, kind of. I don't know. If Strategic I could, dreaming, maybe. Mm. I don't know if I'm brave enough to commit the last thought that goes to my head as I fall asleep to a painting. I think it was like it was might have been like the first thing in his dream because he was like chronically sleep deprived at this point yeah well it was yeah it was just like whatever he whatever he remembered seeing last when he like snapped awake and i to be fair i don't think he like that was his entire painting i'm sure he oh. be, he used that as like inspiration there is no way was, like a big part of his process. painting came from it but definitely you can see some of those weird like yeah definitely you can see some of those things coming from a sleep-deprived haze. Oh, yeah. It's definitely where he gets um, at least the majority of his elements from, uh, yeah. whether or not the, whether or not it's the majority of the paintings proper. Yeah, the composition's definitely him. Mm. Yeah, I just, I just think that's interesting that yeah. to... I mean, because ultimately that's kind of... You're kind of using it, using both in a similar way. Mm. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a really clever thing and it was it solves that, that burning question I had of what yeah. if you just had to... <laughs> Uh, what if you just had to be awake by a certain time, but you didn't have a crier or something to, to wake you up? Like, what happened? Um, and I suppose people were really good at waking to the sun, but that's a pretty good way of waking yourself. So what, you just shove the nail into the candle? And uh, yeah, at, like as the when it melts interval. past, it just like falls out? Yeah, it falls out and then it clanks against the, the metal uh, base. Hmm. And if you wanted to take that a step further, if you're like creating a a character or like a setting where there's like contraptions and stuff, I would quite reasonably say you could have this happen right at the top of like a tube full of bells and it would just like ring all the bells on the way down. Oh, yeah. My my D&D town is going to have a giant candle in the middle of the city every day. The big nail falls it's off. It's like a big Ben type clock. Yeah. Clock but, chime. Yeah, but the, the chime of the bell is just someone gets hit with a two meter long nail every afternoon at it's around just a three. It's just a Well, I mean, that would make, um, if you used, combine a little magic with that, that would make alarm actually a useful spell for once in D&D. If you wanted to set it so, like, instead of it falling and hitting, like, a metal base and, like, 
risking your tent, making you roll something to see if that wakes you up. Mm. You could just like set an alarm spell on the base, and then the nail hits it. Nail and hits it, sets it off goes an, off. It sets off an alarm that magically alerts you. That's so you wake cool. up. I do like that. Because well, yeah. alarm's always such a dumb spell. I've never used alarm, and I'll never use alarm. It's so nothing. There's yeah. so nothing. I feel like it's it it harks back to classic D and D, where it's like. You're there to slay monsters, and the monsters are there to slay you, and it is very much the DM versus the players. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas, I can see it. I can see that being really useful in like the Tomb of Horrors if you're playing like mm. on a grid, really classically wargamey, and you need to like protect some some blind corners or whatever. Yeah, but I think once you get to the point where your DM's playing for like your DM's playing with the characters for story purposes, then you're probably less likely to have them try and ambush you in the middle of the night constantly. Yeah. And when they do, it'll be effective for story. So the alarm spell is kind of like, it's a small detail. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just doesn't really add much. And I mean, if anything, if I was playing for the majority of the time, I probably would intentionally not use it in case the DM did have something story-based. Because yeah. if you have something story-based, as a rule, it's probably not at least intended to kill the entire party. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably, so probably use it if I was like in character, very paranoid. Oh yeah. Um, like, I do respect when players will deliberately go over the top cautious because that's the character decision. Mm. And I could and I could see being punished for using it in punished for not using it rather in certain circumstances. Like if you were in somewhere where or like if you knew people were after you or if you were in somewhere a bit more hostile. Or mm. But it's like a general use spell. It's just not very versatile. Every night I go to sleep as my D&D character, I think Oh no, I hope nobody ambushes me for plot reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Every night I go to sleep as my D&D character and I say, God damn, I hope someone ambushes me. Yeah, oh no, oh no. What if, what if someone were to ambush me? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even, gonna, I'm just not even sarcastic about it. I just lie down and I'm like, please ambush me. <laughs> Night. Like, what, what's that tweet where it's like, man, I hope nobody breaks in and kills my son. He lives in like, and then she like puts his address. And like, <laughs> go right in. <laughs> um. So I did just That's find so uh, a more sophisticated version of the candle clock. Hey, um, Twitter killed my son. <laughs> um. It's by uh, Al-Jazari, who was a, a Muslim uh, polymath, a Muslim scholar. Um, in the, in twel- uh, 1206, this was um, recorded, and it included a dial to display the time, and the way it did it was it actually employed a counterweight. So um, the lighter the candle was, it, um, the lighter the candle was, the further down the counterweight would pull, which would move the dial of the clock. Oh, that's, that's fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Which is incredibly interesting. I love that. I mean, hmm. Yeah, because I, I guess it's just weird to think that there was ever a time before we had, like, clockworks. Yeah. Because, you know? I mean, I guess I guess there was most of human history where we didn't have that, we like, reliable way to tell time. But we had it for so much of at least what we would consider at least, like, modern human history. Mm. That it's, like, it, it feels... It feels like a given. Yeah, it feels like one of those like ancient things. Quite frankly, I think everything's gone hill since the invention of the clock. I have to show up to things on time now. I have to book ahead of time. Sorry, it's uh, gone hill? Gone downhill, I said. <laughs> you said no, you gone said hill. Gone hill. Uh, I was yeah. going to let it slide, but... <laughs> I wasn't. No, it's fine. Lachlan hates me. Yeah, it's fair. 
Um, <laughs> so just one, one last fun detail. This one is a little more like common trivia than the other two, uh, but I just really enjoyed it and wanted to say it on air. Mm-hmm. Um, this is to do with why uh, the, the myth that tomatoes were poisonous. Now, it, it's widely known that tomatoes were part of the nightshade family, which had other poisonous plants, and that that association was used to prove that they were poisonous for a long time. And because a lot of the plant actually is pretty toxic, to be fair. Yeah. Um, if you eat pretty much anything other than the, the fruit of a tomato plant, like it, I believe even more so than most things, obviously you shouldn't mm. eat the, the, the non-edible parts of most plants. But, but specifically, specifically for tomato from the nightshade family. Yeah, quite toxic to eat to do, eat different parts of it. And for a lot, of, a lot of history, like how would you tell those bits apart? Yeah. Um, but this is actually the case for why it was seen that they were so toxic actually supposedly predates it. Uh, the nickname for it in the, the late 1700s was the poison apple because um, a lot of aristocrats got sick and, and died after eating them. Um, but as it turns out, um, this is because wealthy Europeans used pewter plates uh, and pewter has quite a high lead content. Huh. I never knew that about pewter. I've heard the word pewter used in like historical context so much and I mm. never knew that that was like a lead thing. That's why it's so heavy too. I've never picked up pewter. What are you talking about? Oh, well. Why would I, I know, know that? I don't so know. I just thought maybe you'd seen a pewter before. I mean, I've probably seen a pewter. I just, I haven't lifted a pewter. So modern pewter is... About eighty-five to ninety-nine percent tin, um, with about five to ten percent antimony and two percent copper, bismuth, and or silver. What? We're such cowards. But um, put the lead back. So the copper and the antimony are hardeners, but more commonly in lower grades of pewter, it's lead, which gives it a sort of blue tint. So they had blue metal plates. That's hot. Yeah. And then. Um, but essentially what happened was when they would cut tomatoes on these plates, because tomatoes are so acidic, it would draw out the lead from the pewter plates. That's good. That's what you want. Um, and so these aristocrats that were eating tomatoes just died of lead poisoning so incredibly quickly. And it was thought that this was the tomatoes doing it. I don't like tomatoes. So in order to uh, secure my inheritance, I know what uh, I'm doing at the next uh, family dinner party. Get, getting the pewter out. Getting the pewter out. And I will not be partaking in the uh, tomatoes. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of... Um, what's it called? Oh, of like walks and stuff. Where you like... Are, are you supposed to like... Eat. Oh, where you season them? Yeah, where you like season it with yes, all the meals like, you've yeah, eaten. Um, instead yeah, of cast um, iron yeah, like cast iron stuff. Instead of instead of seasoning it with the food you're you're having, <laughs> you season the food you season with the food <laughs> with the metal, <laughs> which is, I mean, less of a good idea. I mean, I'm just gonna start putting a layer of mercury at the bottom of my cups so that you know my my drinks end up looking really pretty. Mm. Honestly, I think we just need to start using heavy metals more in, in cooking in general. Because you know what's weird? I've never eaten anything with heavy metals in it. And well, that's just so weird to me. Actually, actually, how much fish do you eat? Well, I don't eat fish because fish is disgusting. But there you go. Well, you may not have as much as high a heavy metal <laughs> content than I do then. Yeah. Because Cause, uh, mercury. Well, yeah, because of mercury poisoning. This is, this is a known and noted occurrence uh, in specifically um, Japan uh, because there's a... 
just a lot of fish is eaten. Oh, but do you not know about this? No, I did know about that. But the way Tully started that sentence, I thought that he was going to imply that he was feeding you mercury. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. Oh, so, wait, oh you, you, haven't, you haven't eaten a lot of heavy metals? Are you sure about that? <laughs> Are you sure? Just do a Darren Brown reveal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like... It, in fish, because those heavy metals have been introduced into those ecosystems and because fish are predators of each other, so small fish will gather mercury inside their systems and then they'll get eaten by bigger fish. And those bigger fish will pass most of the, the content of the fish that they've eaten. But the heavy metals will stay inside and then a bigger fish will come eat that one. And again, they'll retain all the mercury from the smaller fish that it's eaten. Mm. And that continues until you get to these large fish, like specifically your tuna, um, and they will get caught and cut up and cooked and eaten or not cooked and eaten. Um, and they will still have all the mercury from all the fish that they have eaten. Mm. And I mean, uh, that's why it's especially a problem with like overfishing and with like um, mm. farm fishing, because then obviously you have all those fish stuck, stuck in such a small area. If any of those tuna in your tuna farm end up with like a bit of mercury in your system and then they start and that starts getting around to some of the other some of the bigger tuna and stuff it's Mm. like you just it's like it's just full of mercury then i mean it's not even fish um if you if you're starting like a veggie garden in your backyard um it's like highly encouraged that you plant um sunflowers because sunflowers will absorb heavy metals in the soil which is why they often plant them in places that have had radiation and stuff like that I did not know Um, that. You can't go outside during a blood moon, though, because they spit them back out. (laughs) Uh, Um, I I now really want... Look, I may... I probably won't get around to it, but I may end up using this, and I I trust you guys not to metagame. But now I really want to have, like, this sort of temple of sorts... Um, that is has the inscriptions from the the nuclear warning. I love the nuclear warning. Mm. I'm gonna Google that so I can read it out. And it's just on here. completely surrounded by sunflowers, and it's it's very eerie because they all are meant to follow the sun. But then at night, if they stay open and turn back towards the temple, would be eerie as fuck. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Right. I didn't even I hadn't even considered using just like. And I mean, standard environmental cues to just like fuck, fuck around with people. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. And if you're feeling particularly interesting or you want to throw some themes from other, like, other fiction in, you could use poppies. Um, mm. And like, you could actually use poppies in an emerald city and do the same thing with it. I mean, it's not just sun. Sunflowers are the most effective at drawing those sort of heavy metals and sort of stuff out of the soil. But you can use, there's a bunch of other flowers, I'm pretty sure, specifically that um, are recommended. Or you could just not be a coward and use a goddamn straw like an adult. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I have the uh, long-term nuclear waste message, if Please. you don't mind. Uh, this place is a message and part of a system of messages. Pay attention to it. Sending this message was important to us. We consider ourselves to be a powerful culture. This place is not a place of honour. No highly esteemed dead is commemorated here. Nothing valued is here. What is here is dangerous and repulsive to us. This message is a warning about danger. The danger is in a particular location. It increases towards the centre. The centre of danger is here, of a particular size and shape below us. The danger is still present in your time as it was in ours. The danger is to the body and it can kill. 
The form of the danger is an emanation of energy. The danger is unleashed only if you substantially disturb this place physically. This place is best left shunned and left uninhabited. Which, weirdly enough, is actually what uh, all of the only thing that the doctors wrote on my birth certificate when I was born. (laughs) But, um, yeah, if you just look at that nuclear waste message, you can translate so much of that into the sort of, like, fantasy lexicon mm. um just like change away the way it's worded and you have the most intriguing temple hell i mean you really don't even have to change the way that it's worded that's true you can use it an exactly. emanation of yeah. energy could just be a magical thing and this is no highly esteemed deed is, is commemorated here that is a powerful line mm. i believe there's variations of it where it's like um this is a shameful place uh, is included as part of it or like yeah. we, are, we are ashamed of what is here yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's one of the that's one of the warnings on one of them. Mm. But um, yeah, or maybe I just, one of the signs or something. I don't know because you you can't tell me that your players are going to ignore that once they see it, right? Mm. And that's yeah. a really easy way to introduce them to something big and something way beyond their control. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. See, <laughs> though. That thought does make me worry about the efficacy of the message itself in the real world. But that is fair. If you put it into a game, at least your players know that it's there for a reason. It's not just, it didn't just happen to be a bad thing someone did. But also like, and this is the thing about Dungeons and Dragons is you're never going to get perfectly realistic character reactions because while you fear for the death of your character, you don't fear for the death of your character in the same way that you fear for your own life. Mm. And so that that sense of self-preservation isn't there to the same degree. If your characters die with a good story, like it's sad, but to a degree you're happy about it happening that way. I mean, to be fair, even if you don't have that level of risk and caution that you would in the real world, you can't tell me there's not somebody out there that would read that radiation warning and go... I wonder what it is, though. Let's go have a look. Yeah, we'll see. I that's, mean, that's Tutankhamun's tomb. Yeah, I was going to say, the Egyptians were like, stay the fuck out of here, guys. Don't even bother. And we went, what if I did, though? Yeah, well, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I think if I read that message, I'd go in. I'd find a way to get inside there. See, I'm, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just a coward. I just, um, I just wouldn't believe it. I'd see it and I wouldn't believe it. Like if I if I wa- walking down the street back back to my car tonight, if I saw that message on a door, I would fucking are you kidding me? I'd be through that door so goddamn quickly. <laughs> I don't give a shit about your emanation of energy. I want to see it. Yeah, I mean that, that's one of the reasons why the scientists like like the people that are designing this these messages are still like we don't know if this is good or not we don't think that this anyone's going to listen to this yeah well the, and, the um, competing um suggestion is to just not mark it at all and just hope on hope that nobody ever happens to stumble across it if you just put it in mm. like a remote enough place and bury mm. it far enough down and spread them far enough out then hopefully nobody yeah. will come across them um there's they were also at one point um people were looking into like aggressive architecture to make yeah. people not want to Have go there. Have you seen some of the proposed architecture? Yeah, they're crazy. They're really cool. Um, it's just like a field of spikes is one of them. Yeah. See, that would I would be so... Honestly, it looks like a modern art piece. I would. I, the yeah. architecture itself, I would go up to and have a look and just walk mm. around. Um, one of the other proposed locations was somewhere like Antarctica or something like that, but then people were worried that if the ice ever melts, then that's... <laughs> that could not, just end up wherever. Yeah, that's not a great... Uh, yeah, the the radiate the 
the radioactive ice melts and goes into the ocean, and then the ocean just goes everywhere. Um, I don't know though, Grace. Permafrost has never melted before. Oh my I God. mean, perma is in the name. Hey, remember when? Uh, See, I'd go there so hard. Tolly's showing us the picture of like the weird spikes and stuff, and it just looks like really fucked up trees. And I would go there in a heartbeat. Honestly, yeah. that if I if I walked through, if I saw that. I'd be like immediately walking through, obviously, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And then I got to the end and I read that message. I would lose my mind. I would be so excited to get inside that building. Oh God. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, we may be me. We, this may have been a bad call. It's just like a species. Mm, maybe. Well, I mean, I feel like the use of the, the disposal of nuclear waste was always going to be bad. There was no good way to do that. We should need someone to eat it and take one for the team. That's what, they did. That's what they did in the Middle Ages with all the lead. Holy yeah. shit. I'm, Go put it on the moon. I've just stumbled across an article fuck from the moon. 2017. Fuck from the beginning the of 2017. I will fuck the moon. Um, and it's a Guardian article that talks about um, how colour-changing cats might warn future humans of radioactive waste. Um, and basically this is a genetics experiment to get cats to change colour in uh, response to radiation. Again, so fucking dumb. If I saw a cat walking through somewhere and I saw it change colour as the result of walking through that area, I would be like, oh my God, cat, what did you find? We have to spend the rest of our lives finding out. Have you seen um, Have you seen it would pictures, be short lives. Tully, have you seen pictures of those really um, fucked up flowers that grow in Chernobyl? Oh, I'm yes, pretty sure the, they're the dandelion, daffodil, the dandelions. They're dandelions, yeah, yeah. and they're, um, they're like, like as big as a hand. They, mm. they look like six or seven dandelions got merged together in this weird, chunky asparagus-like thing. Yeah, like I've seen one. It just looks like a, a green silk glove, but it's actually all filled in and all dandelion. Crazy. It's like um, it's like those photos of. Have you seen pictures of like deer and stuff whose antlers? <gasps> yes. Who's, it's like oh. they can't keep control of their antlers properly because antlers are are just bone tumors. Yeah. Like it was just like a, a weird form of like a bone cancer that deer's like adapted to. Uh, like they've they've taken a look at like the cellular like makeup of them, and it really is they just do like just grow wild. They're they're tumors. They're actually tumors. Um, they're just controlled tumors. Yeah. It's just like a weird form of cancer that just like happened to not go the same way that can uh, happen to not work out the same way that cancer works out for human beings. Yeah. And they, but sometimes, sometimes. Imagine getting bone they, cancer and then just growing spikes. They see, that'd be so cool. But then, but then you see deer who like can't grow them into antlers and it just kind of does become like a big, it's it doesn't really affect the deer other than being weird and probably annoying, but it's just like a big, like it, looks like a big tumour on there, a big, like, bony tumour thing on their head. It's just like a big, like, pile of lumps. Yeah, it's it's super inter- interesting. But it's like, there's just so much stuff from the real world that you can pull into your games that is so interesting. Yeah. And you don't even need to look at fantasy. Yeah. it's There's so much to draw from real facts and history and science. You just... <laughs> Walking through, yeah, walking through the field, the big magical cool flowers is all fun and games until like your rogue has radiation sickness. I, as I said, I did consider giving you guys a, a salamander fur coat. Um, and, and what, making us roll every 10 minutes to see if we've got. Oh, I, I would have just like used it as a cursed item. 
<laughs> I, I would have used a, like essentially a stat block, built up a stat block as a cursed item um, to start giving you like disadvantage on anything to do with poison and poison effects. Um, because like... <laughs> I go to the hospital and I'm like, I can't breathe. I think I've, I think I've been cursed by the asbestos witch. <laughs> the asbestos yeah. witch who just builds lots of tiny huts <laughs> that's in a it. row. That's honestly even funnier. It not giving it to us as a salamander fur coat and just being like, "Here's some fucking asbestos, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Take that." This is the the prefab witches. <laughs> Their swamp is lined with apartments. <laughs> the next the next village we uh the next village we encounter is actually just a really cheap suburb that's being built that is being built and like everyone there is sick for some reason and we're like oh no what could it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, um, I think I think that's probably us for this evening. Thank you so much for listening in, uh, and we will catch you in two weeks' time with another great episode of Dungeon Deep Dive. And it'll be like a real one that this time. It'll be like an yeah. actual, ep- not whatever this was. This this was great fun, but it wasn't particularly themed or like it was a lot of surface level research. Whereas we'll we'll bring some, something more in depth next time. Um, thank you yeah. so much to once again uh, my lovely hosts. It's a me, a Grace. I've been known as Lachlan. <laughs> and I'm Tully. And uh, if you want to get in, in contact once again, you can catch us on the uh, socials at Dungeon Deep Dive on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or deepdivetnc at gmail.com. Send me an email. Yeah. Hi, I want to be friends. Send me an email now, you fucking coward. These please guys, do. No one ever sends me emails, please. Don't send Grace an email, send me an email. Hey. I'm Morgan Phillips and I'm a human. And I'm Isabella Vallette and I'm also a human. But I was raised by fairies and now I'm taking my human friend Morgan in to meet all of the mythological creatures that I know. Every Sunday we meet a new mythological creature and interview them about their life in a modern day context. Such as... The Night King from Game of Thrones. Funicular, the friendly vampire brother of Dracula. We've met the Loch Ness Monster. Santa. The Volpertinger. The Devil. And a Mermaid. And many more. We release all our interviews as a podcast called Off of the Fairies where we interview a new mythological creature every week living in a modern day world come join us hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.